This is Critical Nonsense, our high-lowbrow show about culture, science, and tech. This week, Joey asks me about leaving decisions up to chance. You're the only one who ever really knew me at all. Screwed it up. That's what a Joey sounds like. And this is what an executive producer and Phil Collins, Jess Vanderson, is like. Hi, this is Jess. Do 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 do. I was going with against all odds i understand i just for know the rest of those words. the reference that will soon be forthcoming but before wow we get into references <laughs> and topics i also like when your secondary name is just another person's name for whatever reason it tickles me but we can address that <laughs> some executive later. producer and also phil collins yeah, phil collins <laughs> jess vander um do we have any housekeeping no we're in the same room. That's exciting. It's really, it's really nice. I would highly recommend it. Yesterday, I mean, really, we've come a long way because just yesterday I was talking to Aaron from an estate on a grand lawn. Uh, with you were on one or he was on one? We were in the same place in that place. So, and by that, I mean, we were calling from our separate homes uh, <laughs> at different parts of the country. But we were just imagining what it would be like to be in the same place. And if that place were kind of incredible. So like a conference room in our <laughs> so, office. So I'll just I'll take just being in the same room in a conference room. Well, there we go. Um, so no housekeeping. We're clean. Okay. Um, Jess, Joey, when was the last time you left a big decision up to a coin flip? This sounds like the log line of a new movie with uh, <laughs> Joseph Gordon-Levitt. <laughs> uh. I I bumped into a study recently, which you found the original, um, and it came from one of the Freakonomics co-authors, Stephen Levitt, uh, in which he and maybe other co-authors of the paper asked people to leave uh, differing degrees of life decisions up to a coin flip. And what was interesting is that quite a number of those scenarios led to subsequent improvements in happiness. And I was trying to, you know, be strategist doesn't necessarily lend itself to underthinking things. <laughs> um, and I was trying to think about like when was the last time that I left some major decision? Maybe never have I done something like that where I was like, should I move? Should I change a job? Should I do something else? I've certainly made like very rash decisions in my life. Like when I decided to switch from neuroscience <laughs> to strategy was like quite rash. <laughs> can, I, can I just say, I thought what you were about to say was, I don't know why. I just, in my head, I mentally filled the gap in of when I decided to switch from Crest to Colgate toothpaste. <laughs> you, or when I decided to switch from boxers to briefs, it was a major. It was just life a major decision. life decision. <laughs> I had to flip a coin. Uh, but it, this, the fact that you know, a lot of these decisions resulted in like what seems to be significant improvements in happiness made me realize like 
maybe we're overthinking a lot of things, not shocking. And also, what things should we be leaving up to chance? Well, you're right. This is making me viscerally uncomfortable <laughs> because as a chronic overthinker, overcautious, overstrategizer, the concept that you would be leaving anything important up to chance feels so wrong. But that is what's really interesting about this study. We were looking at some of the charts and we'll include them in the show notes. But um, there are there are some findings that even for important decisions like quitting a job or ending a relationship, those who were told to make the coin toss were not only more likely to actually do it just because the coin said so, but they were more satisfied and happier several months after that um, than those who, you know, had the coin toss just tell them to do what they were already planning to do or the status quo. And I'm just trying to grapple with what that looks like. The first thing that comes to mind that is easier to imagine on the scale of decision-making is smaller choices like what to eat at a restaurant. I feel like all the time I am saying like maybe putting the server in a difficult position by being like, I'm trying to decide between these two things. And they look back and they go, those are very different dishes. Let me describe them for you yeah. because they're like, uh, it's an entirely different experience, whatever, you know, whatever you like. But, um, that sometimes, you know, you can also get a ton of relief and actually, um, feel more confident in whatever you've chosen by delegating the choice in some way of just like, actually, I am genuinely not sure. And someone's like, it's this. And you're like, okay. Yeah. I will now convince myself that that is the right choice. That feels like, I, I understand why that could possibly work. It's just terribly intimidating at the scale of major life decisions. Yeah. It, it's interesting. It, it's sort of like lends itself in the direction of like, doing something is better than doing nothing. Yeah. But, you know, and this is not exact, right? The, uh, the list of examples that wound up being, you know, from extremely positive to just a little bit positive. And for context, people were already sort of contending with these decisions. And then they were just asked to make a coin flip to decide what they do. But it was start my own business, quit my job, move, break up, dye my hair, quit drinking, join a gym, splurge, go on a diet, and start volunteering were all like varying degrees of positive. The things that were varying degrees of negative were sign up for running an event, try online dating, have a child, break my bad habit, grow facial hair, quit smoking, ask for a raise, get a tattoo, and then propose being significantly more negative than any of the other ones. Those are things meaning that you don't want to leave up to chance yeah. because people generally were like, bad outcomes happen. Yeah. Yeah. But, but like start my own business, quit my job, move, break up, dye my hair. Like those were all pretty positive. And it's interesting, you know, some of this is like, do we already know the answer? We just have a hard time doing it, right? Like you you've already intuited what you want to happen but it is right. the commitment to a decision yes. is the hard part versus yes. 
the outcome of the decision isn't hard. It's just like getting yourself to make that decision. It's like probably for break up or quit my job. Everyone's like, please be heads, please be heads. Yeah, like, right. And if you're already to thinking that, exactly. And I think maybe this distinction of like, it's better to do something versus nothing is that the opposite is that the status quo is actually not just no decision. It's, it's languishing. Yeah. You're like, you have already in your head, like the reason that this is probably coming up is because you're, even if you're not letting yourself make the decision, you're thinking about it. Yeah. Um, so it makes a ton of sense. It's interesting though. Cause I, I wanted to at first say, Oh, it's things that add some kind of commitment might be more negatively received, but it doesn't seem like that is always the case. It's just where, what is the baseline of what you are entertaining? I guess is the question. Yeah. And like how much are you, what are you accepting when you make those changes? Yeah. Anyone who was contemplating a breakup was probably like, this isn't right. And then they got that coin flip and it, it is that languishing point I think is, the expectation of rightness, right? Like in, in so many of these situations, there's, you know, when you're talking about like starting a business, quitting yeah. a job, like starting a new behavior, right. cutting your hair, whatever, there, there's not like a right answer. Literally right? like, what do you have to lose? Yeah. Makes a ton of sense. Cause even if you're like, eh, maybe that didn't work out. Like that doesn't mean there's no recovery versus it makes a lot of sense why proposal is on the bottom bottom of the list because it's like oh no that is a it the consequences of that decision not being right for you are substantial yeah it, but the the idea of like you know i i think about this a lot because of hiring for the company right there is it's an example of there's no such thing as like a perfect candidate or someone mm -hmm. that comes with like only good things and no negative or, or whatever, right? Like everyone is an individual in theory and, and you know, I everyone know is bringing you're talking about some mix of things to the table. Phil Collins is sitting right <laughs> here. I mean, Phil Collins, perfect, but lost but... his hearing <laughs> from playing Drums. music too loud that in his ears so, so no foresight on phil Collins. Uh, i have no idea um no i think but that idea of tormenting yourself over rightness yeah i think can you know i you bring up like the point almost uh, of sort of the the fear of comeuppance you know the fear of repercussions mm -hmm. on a decision uh and we tend to, I think, when making decisions, I don't know if this is true. Maybe I can look it up. Uh, like, what are the bad things that could happen tends to be more of a focus in decision-making versus, like, what are the good things? Mm -hmm. And I think there are probably pitfalls to both approaches to decision-making, right? Where you're like, I I often, when I'm, I'm thinking about, like, is this person right for us to hire or something like that, I'm, I'm thinking about, like, like what are the potential positive outcomes, but that leaves blind spots in the same way that like, what are the, if we hired this person, what would the potential pitfalls be, you know? Yeah. And uh, honestly, also just like the, the neutral outcomes that you aren't even thinking about, but it's like, mm, that choice had an effect. It yeah. affected these things. 
And I feel like it's so hard to imagine that it's sort of the making choices in the dark kind of feeling where it's easy to be scared of the things that you don't see. And you're like, ah, it's, it's probably going to be bad, but actually there might be good things. There might be a lot of neutral things. And if there are bad things, those, it won't take very many of those to make for a very bad consequence to be, to probably be fair. So I, I guess I, I think you're right in thinking about being so focused about being right, but it's so hard if, if actually it's not even a matter of rightness and it's just like you can't possibly predict all of the variables. Yeah. Complex systems. It's going to be, it's going to, it's, it, what you do know is that it will change things. (laughs) Yeah. This change will be a change. Yeah. Yeah. The, the sort of orientation on, I mean, this goes back to like previous conversations that we've had about like optimism and things like that. I'm realizing like, my my sort of orientation to these things is like oh things could be so great or this could be wonderful wonderful Mm -hmm. and i tend to look at things that way and sort of miss the potential pitfall you know not that i'm completely ignoring those things obviously it's it's more complex than that but i do think like there is that that sort of trope or cliche that was popularized i think by facebook right of like fail fast you know uh, fail fast and break things or there are different uh turns of phrase but i do think what you get from making a decision is you find out right you're gonna find out quickly like was that a good decision or a bad decision based on some set of outcomes Mm -hmm. and the goal can't be right like batting a thousand the the goal isn't to try and get all things right the goal is just like i did something i learned something i can you know choose to improve later like i took a new job i I chose to quit a job i got a new job uh maybe it wasn't the job i wanted so i go get a new another new job or whatever like the there is sort of like a false perception of permanence i think in a lot of these things and certainly like some of those decisions yet you break up with somebody like they may not take you back if you decide you've made the wrong decision but also you know if you were contemplating in the first place right but it doesn't mean staying with that person was the right thing it just meant that like the outcomes didn't turn out how you were hoping yeah it it also makes me wonder you know because there are like i think we're talking so far about the apparent benefits of just like yes choosing choosing is good choosing will have effects and you'll have you like live with that even if there are things that are scary i wonder if one of like and maybe this is not that revelation worthy but living with whatever choice you make without some external intervention is a lot of pressure on one individual. So there's something kind of backwards sensical about relinquishing your agency to a coin helps remove whatever like control or the blame you could put on yourself of making the quote unquote wrong choice or uh, an irreversible choice because you're like, well, you know, is the coin, the coin, the coin made me do it. The yeah. coin made me do it. <laughs> I mean, I it's simply but, out of my hands, <laughs> but like even, even this decision fatigue, right? Like we know that's a thing mm-hmm. and 
you know, the, the bigger the decision, the more it feels like, you know, if you had to like go to the grocery store that day and make a bunch of decisions and whatever, like it becomes harder and harder as you just go through any day to make important decisions. So there's probably a component of like, when are you choosing to make decisions like in your like circadian rhythm maybe, but it also makes me think about the, the sort of orientation that we take with decisions and like, so this was like a weird fun fact. We were doing work with Google years and years ago. Uh, and we had somehow, for some reason, stumbled across this person's role. I'm not going to remember exactly what their role was, but the way that we interpreted their role was effectively a binary decision maker. Uh, maybe a trinary. We didn't, like, it was a thing that we came across that we weren't working, but it was like a very senior, like, level five engineer who was like very tenured and excellent and his whole job as we understood it was just to be like, yes or no. Like I, maybe there was an option for the trinary of like need more input, like go away and bring me more input or something. But that idea of like in that instance, you had someone who was like effectively like acting as a coin, but more educated it wasn't like pure random chance they were basing their decisions off of their expertise and a lifetime whatever of building up skills but also didn't have all the information that whoever was coming to them to make that decision had and so there was just like that speed with which you know i guess that's like what an executive role is supposed to do maybe or uh, i'm not sure but it's like burned in my head of like this person was a smart coin wow you know yeah and it's funny when you think about that in the context of this paper because in some ways it makes you think gosh the team presenting to that level five engineer they probably knew that they should break up with that person you know? yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. they they probably have the answer and just either aren't empowered or don't ha like can't have the liability to be the ones to have made the decision and et cetera, et cetera. And then yeah. suddenly you're living with whatever choice that person made, or, you know, they are the scapegoat or whatever. <laughs> uh, but yes, uh, level five smart coin. Yeah. Really interesting construct. I'm just thinking of that scene in how I met your mother where Marshall was like cracking a bullwhip saying like, not good enough. Uh, where like people are coming to like make decisions and you can have like elaborate ways that yeah. you could deliver your answers. Like, yes. Like, party poppers go off pyrotechnics mm -hmm. for like a yes. And then, you know, you get like drunk, like dumped down a hole in the floor when it's a no, like down a shoot or something like that. But this is also very interesting. It's taking me to a very like tropey workplace place as like, when you think of the devil wears Prada and Miranda Priestly is similar of like, no cerulean belts are out or in, or like whatever. It's like this very, just like someone, as though there has to be like someone's role to be that sort of like that that is the decision maker and that the decisions are extremely straightforward when in practice it's like i don't know are you all just like worrying and maybe you know the answer like is is what you're saying like is where we're taking this that that trope is outdated and that this fail fast model is more correct like 
that also feels flawed because yeah. the startup mentality and, and all that has happened in like the tech boom in its subsequent years, like that doesn't feel right either. Yeah. Yeah. The, there is something interesting about how do you outsource your decisions, yeah. right? Like a lot of the ones that we were talking about from the study are all, they're like, they're, very they're professional, but they're a personal yes. decision about your professional life or they're, you know, about different aspects of your personal life. And, you know, there's something about like the proximity to a decision potentially makes you worse at it because of what it means to you, right? Like in the instance, in these Google instance or the Miranda Priestley instance, it's like that person has an expertise you're close to it. You're like real narrow in on it. But like, what are the things, you know, like I'm trying to think like, have you ever outsourced a personal decision to me just like within our friendship or like, what are the, you know, like what are the decisions actually like you shouldn't make it. Maybe your friends know better from objectivity and whatever. I you feel know? like I try to get people to do this for me all the time and that a lot of people might you can imagine this being like the example of like the restaurant is like the easiest, lowest lift example, but even like going through your stuff and just being like, do I keep this? Or like, it's so much easier to have Ryan just be like, we don't need this. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, you're right, I guess. <laughs> or like if you're going shopping similarly of like, does this, does this look good? And you're like, it, for me, I need a, clothes shopping buddy to be that soundboard of like, no, what are you thinking? And you're like, yeah, well, what was I thinking? That's yeah. crazy. And what was I even thinking? Or no, I'm going to double down now because by you saying that thing, it's like when someone's like, make the choice for me. And you're like, actually by you making that choice, I didn't like it. So I actually think that means I like the first option. Yeah. Uh, and that action that's, is that not just, I guess, collaboration yeah. <laughs> at this point? Like you shouldn't make, any kinds of decisions in a vacuum, but it is useful to run them by other people. Yeah. It, I guess I, I'm just like, what, are, what is the relationship with these things? And like, what things should you just know? I mean, if you're, if, you know, in like the proposal example from this study, right? Like most people are having conversations with people in their life being like, I'm thinking about proposing, or I think my partner's going to propose. And like, should I, uh, does this feel right? Or like, I think this is coming, right? And, and you're sort of eliciting like input into your decision-making process. And this idea of just taking it one step further and just committing to someone else's decision in this process is just interesting. And that, you know, it's not going to work in all scenarios, but it also doesn't feel like a thing that like we readily adopt as an approach for solving personal problems. I mean, speak for yourself as Queen Elsa has taught us. Sometimes we just got to let it go. There you go. I mean, maybe the decision, maybe the friends we made were the decisions along. I don't Something like that. Insert that, uh, that meme. Is that, I guess it's a meme. I don't know. I'm just like, the, through this discussion, I'm like, what decision should I be outsourcing to an educated coin? Like, uh, I don't have a good answer. You don't have answer. an educated coin? I, I, Who's I, your level five engineer? 
I mean, is it me? Is it Phil Collins? Are you my level five engineer? I mean, I don't know. It, it's sort of like I think my wife uses me for this that makes often. Sense. Yeah, and I'm like, do I use do her you even for do it? This? Like, yeah, I don't know if I do enough. Wow. Not out of any. I think I think maybe I just don't think about my decisions enough. You or are maybe, not cautious. You don't need to outsource the decision because you are more easily and you are more readily committable. More decisive? Yep, yeah, that's what I maybe. meant. <laughs> I don't know. Now, now I'm like, I need to introduce a, a smart coin. coin. More <laughs> Not often. a crypto coin, to be clear. I need to introduce a smart coin into my life. Is a variation on introducing a smart coin sometimes just letting another person's decision be the decision? I definitely Is do that. Is that like a very, that. that's like a variation yeah. of this theme, right? Of like, mm, I could choose to veto or I could choose to plus one, agree, whatever. Yeah. And that is, that is a decision. And you're like, eh, what if I just like, my default is to just let that actually be the choice. Yeah. I mean, I guess the last thing I would say to that end about this study was that, you know, the only things that were leading to like really sort of surprising levels of increase in happiness were like start my own business, quit my job, move or break up are like sort of meaningful and then propose was like meaningfully negative but otherwise like everything else was you know not too positive or not too negative right just all around the and spectrum there, there's sort of like an interesting learning in that that like some of the things we might be torturing ourselves about and and sort of like uh you know really like overwrought about should we or shouldn't we do a certain thing like the reality is it's like that one decision is not going to have such a significant impact in a positive or negative way that it's like it doesn't really matter just pick one you know yeah i'm just like envisioning the nike campaign just do it except proposing yeah or don't <laughs> yeah. Just do but it. like mostly just do it but like maybe not. But but like sometimes maybe not. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, I guess this brings us to Jess's decision corner. <laughs> Jess's educated coin corner. Thank you, Stephen D. Levitt, for introducing to us this social experiment of coin flipping, making us more introspective in the fact that we overthink all of our choices, especially those of us who are chronically concerned about uh, irreversible choices, the possible negative outcome of choices, uh, the fact that all of that blame will be on my own hands because that is entirely left up to me. And also, I'm so tired of making choices that what if I just languish in the status quo that is not choosing, but that there probably is something to that sort of nagging idea that came across our heads in the first place and that for the most part, asterisk, asterisk, of some exceptions, there definitely will be. But for the most part, if you're thinking about a thing, maybe it is worth outsourcing that choice to whatever the gods or chance or level five engineers that are there <laughs> to 
<laughs> help egg you on and you just see what happens because um while you can't guarantee anything you can know that a change will be a change yeah and we'll find out what happens and maybe your body already decided and your mind just has to catch up oh i don't know <laughs> you don't trust your heart <laughs> or your gut I just open. I just open. Oh no! I'm thinking about it. Uh, yeah. And plus, if you I get, did the wrap up. Okay, Joey, we like wrapped yeah. it, and now we're unwrapping it, and now we're wrapping. Well, you it. said some things in the wrap that were just like unwrappable. <laughs> and and fear not if you said a, if you make a bad decision, it usually leads to good stories. So. Critical Nonsense is a Sylvain production. Brought to you by ch 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 changes Make the... It's coins. <laughs> As always, we like to thank executive producer and smart coin, Jess Vander. Hi, thanks so much. Also, we'd like to thank sound engineer and level five smart coin, Alex Cuntel. <laughs> Is everyone a smart coin? <laughs> We'd like to thank programming coordinator and pretty nickel, Les Jacobs. And thanks to our production crew, the never languishing, always decisive. Sorry, Gilbert and Noah Mestrich. Thank you. And as always, thanks, Alan. Thanks, Alan. Special thanks. Special thanks to all those haircuts that happened as a result of these coin flips. I really wonder what people were, were thinking about. Asymmetrical bobs just going Just off. so many, so many bobs. So many bobs. And weaves, really. Bob, bob, bobbing and weaving. I like listening to the conversations. Thanks to the women at my haircut this morning, because I like listening to the conversations where they're like trying to decide what they want to do with their stylist, who is their smart coin. And they're like, what if I do this? And they're like... Uh, your hair texture is not right, but we'll do this instead or whatever. And I'm just like very entertained. And I'm realizing right now that they're just, their hairdressers are their smart coins. Yeah. I mean, special thanks to service professionals that we've somehow renamed spark coins in this <laughs> last 30 minutes. <laughs> uh, you know, you, you help everyone process things that they may already know but need someone else to talk through and that is why you are valuable and that is meaningful and i'm saying that also maybe because it is easy to describe that as also what we do sometimes as strategists maybe we do a social experiment where we just make the personal decisions for each other great idea you're gonna hate it yeah i don't love it but y'all are gonna find out joey and i are gonna just <laughs> make important life choices for each other and see what happens. What could go wrong? Next time on Critical <laughs> Nonsense, Joey and Jess live with the choices they make yeah. for each other. We're both alone. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, we did it. We did it. Thanks, Decisions. Or if you just make whatever other decisions, then it's fine. And if you don't have any good <laughs> stories, that's also fine. <laughs> You shouldn't feel bad about that. Yeah, if you don't have any good stories, it just means you made all the right decisions. That's what I'm and saying. And that's the story. Oh my God, I'm not even getting into this. What a trigger point for me.